This is Secret Sauce, a podcast about the secret ingredients in artwork and life. I'm your host, Becca Borelli. I'm also an illustrator in Austin, Texas, and this episode is entitled, Did You Know? (sighs) So yesterday I started writing my first newsletter in over a year. I think the last time I sent a newsletter out to folks was in June of 2022. And, oh, I felt so rusty. Um, In part because I have this totally different recollection of the newsletter. Like, the, the person I was a year and a half ago is totally different. This last year and a half has been, in some ways, it's felt like, I don't know, a 18 month labor. <laughs> like, and, and the baby being born was me. <laughs> I feel, I'm sure, I'm sure I sound similar um, than I have, you know, and as far as recordings and the podcast episodes, but I feel totally different. And I didn't have, I was like trying to write and I just, I felt like, I was trying to write how I used to write and that wasn't a good fit. So I, I set it aside for a few days. Um, and that I feel like that's an interesting segue into today's podcast episode. You know, we're starting to slowly, I full, full disclosure, I have no idea <laughs> what 2024 is going to look like. Um, but, it, you know, it is time to start, I feel like, resuming some type of online presence and I think at this point it's going to be through the monthly newsletter to to start and I don't even know what that's going to look like it might just be you know a photo with a couple bullet points at this (laughs) at this stage (laughs) um and I so I wanted to kind of you know because of being in that space myself it felt like a really good time to talk about that experience in sort of a more broader sense with y'all because we are entering the the end of the year um the beginning of the winter everything is getting cold everything's dying the days have gotten very short the nights have gotten very long and i wanted to kind of talk about this time in a slightly different way and I wanted to, and I've, and I, this is not new. This episode topic is one that I've talked about before. So some of you may be familiar with it. Some of you, this might be your first time. Um, but I want to talk, I want to use the Christmas story, the Christian Christmas story as an anchor to talk about art, art making. And specifically the, the Christmas carol, Mary did you know before before i sort of dive into that though i want to give the disclaimer that this isn't a religious episode it's in fact so if you're if you've been hurt by religion if you've been turned off to religion or if you just generally have no relationship with religion or interest in religion i, I really think this podcast episode is going to be for you um similarly if you are very into religion, 
you you practice regularly, you have a close relationship with organized religion. This episode I also think is for you, but I also think take what resonates with you and leave the rest as we always talk about because what this episode is not is a challenge to any religious narratives. Um, there, you know, I think culturally and collectively, you know, all over the planet, there's a sense that, um, things live in opposition to one another, right? Like, so if I share a different way of viewing the Christmas story, then it renders the original Christmas story as null and void. Um, as an artist, I disagree with that statement wholeheartedly. You may, you may disagree with me and that's okay, but I really embrace the both and I think this podcast has always tried to include ideas of the both and in it. And I've mentioned this idea many times in different episodes, but just to revisit it right now, the both and is is the idea that opposite things can exist together. And it's a, a very artistic idea, the both and, right? Like, there's types of art that are, you know, like Pablo Picasso can be art and so can Banksy. You know, I, we talked about Banksy a little bit in the last episode. You know, a, a street artist and a classically trained painter, you know, can both be art, right? Like this is a very general example of the both and, but there's even more extreme examples of the both and, right? That to the extent I think that humanity is able to embrace the both and is to the extent that we are improving our experience on the planet, you know? I think a lot of the problems that we've gotten ourselves into here in this space as humans is rooted in this idea that when something, that when we identify something as true, then its opposite can't also be true. It's a really uncomfortable idea and one that I've personally been sitting with most of my life and, and I'm still unpacking. You know, it's not like I have total comfort with that idea all the time. But I want to, so, so that disclaimer being said, I kind of want to talk about Mary, Did You Know, The Christmas Carol. If you haven't listened to it, maybe consider Googling it. It's a beautiful song. And it's, and the lyrics are basically talking to Mary, who, for those of you unfamiliar with the classical Christian Christmas story, was a young teenage girl who was visited by the angel Gabriel in her home. Surprise! (laughs) One day... And Gabriel told her, you are going to become, you are going to be with child, with the son of God. Also surprise. (laughs) And she, you know, probably for protection's sake, there's not a whole lot of information about Joseph, but she pairs up with this man named Joseph and he takes care of her and they're together as she goes through pregnancy and eventually gives birth to baby Jesus in a stall in the winter time <laughs> in the cold and and you know wraps him up in swaddling clothes and puts him in a feeding trough um and 
they're talking in the song lyrics are talking to her saying, did you know that you, that your baby boy is going to save the world? Like, what is, what does that even mean? Like, can you even wrap your head around that? Mary, like they're talking directly to her. The, the writers of the song are saying, do you know, do you know the power of this boy? The, and that you were, you were the vessel that brought him in. You know, there's some gratitude attached to some of the song lyrics. Mary, did you know? And I remember the first time I was really struck by this song was was in Christmas of 2019, 2019? No, 2020. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. The pandemic just really messed with everybody's, I feel like, general timeline. Um, 2019 are my last is like my last really vivid memories can anyone relate to this like 2020 to 2022 just even though the birth of my child happened there were so many amazing things that happened in there there's also just this experience of like a hole in some ways and I generally gravitate towards 2019 for some reason Christmas of 2020 was when we found out we were pregnant and I remember of course the song moving me from the vantage point of being with child myself, but also thinking this story is profound in its implications outside of classical pregnancy. And I've done a podcast episode called Art Pregnancy that brushes up against some of these ideas, but I want to talk about it in terms of Christmas because we're there. Like even if we don't identify with the Christian Christmas story, even if we don't go to church like that or whatever, it's still very much a part of the zeitgeist here in the United States where I'm recording this and off, and also is a part of the zeitgeist all around the world. You know, Christianity is practiced all over. And I think it's so interesting that Mary was a virgin and was visited by an angel and was told that she was going to birth this this thing that was going to save the world. When I say thing, I mean human. But what if, like any other story that we, any other myth that we've been handed down over generation after generation after generation, what if there are other ways that that story and that myth can profoundly serve us? And this isn't taking away from the human story. This isn't a null and void on the human story. This, you know, there's quite a bit of evidence that Jesus was a human that existed. (laughs) But how often are we, men and women, birthing things completely outside of sex as complete virgins, right? That how often are we creating something that goes through the tremendous discomfort and pain of labor before coming into the world? And how often are we as humans birthing things that change the world? You know, does it have to be a human 
Um, as an artist, I think this idea is profound. I and and the lack of conversation around this idea is in some ways harmful, right? We've gotten really seduced collectively with this idea that mothering is the is the birth process. Like the birth process happens through mothering, <laughs> you know? And so then when we all end up many times in our lives in a birth process, we don't recognize it for what it is. And then we are sort of self-gaslighting, gas right? Gaslighting ourselves, being like, oh, I'm in a ton of pain. I'm, you know, trying to push this thing. I'm trying to make this thing. Nothing's working. Nothing's working. I'm not getting anywhere. I guess I just suck. I guess I'm just not meant to do this thing. I'm not to, meant to make this thing. I'm not meant to live this life. I'm not meant to have this X, Y, and Z. Um, when in fact, you're actually like metaphorically speaking, back on the table, legs up in the air, giving birth to something tremendously huge and it hurts like hell. You know? Can the Christmas story give us some insight into what it's like to make something that's going to profoundly change the world um, from a place of creativity and art artistry instead of you know having sex and having human <laughs> and and i i suppose like me saying that is sort of r reductionist right like i'm i'm not trying to reduce the power of procreation <laughs> um certainly not i have a two-year-old the experience has been huge and magical in every sense of the word um also, also, can the both and be true? Can human procreation coexist next to the magnitude of other types of creation? You know, I recently and I, I still don't, <laughs> I still don't actually have, you know, maybe the words to describe what has happened for me in the last year and a half but very recently like just a few weeks ago and maybe this is part of the inspiration for this podcast episode very recently I kind of hit the like desperate part of the birth process like I've been very aware thankfully because of so many amazing spiritual teachers that I've had access to in the last like four years, five years, especially I've gotten very aware when I'm going through a birth process and like a labor process in some aspect of my life. And it's given me a tremendous amount of patience, right? Like it's one of the things that a lot of women who go to birth classes begin to learn is how to have patience with the process, how to not fight it because fighting it often makes it more painful and long, <laughs> And also how to breathe through the waves because birthing is a process of contraction and expansion. And this happens in life too. I talk about this in our pregnancy a lot, the 
from last year, but like our lives also contract and expand. And when you recognize that the squeezing that your life is doing where things are getting really hard and scary, when you recognize that you're in a birth process, it doesn't mean that the pain or the fear necessarily goes away, but it also makes you feel significantly less crazy. Oh, I'm I'm moving into labor. Like I've been trying to make something new in my life forever and now it's coming. And guess what? It has its own consciousness and it's coming when it's coming. <laughs> like any mother will tell you like some like especially mothers of multiple children, right? Like so, some just like fight, you know, all day to to give birth to their child and then you know sometimes it's just like over in an hour. <laughs> and like seemingly without any rhyme or reason, but really it's because this thing that you are giving birth to is alive. And maybe that's harder to wrap our heads around when we're thinking about art or some type of creation in our lives. But the stuff that we make, even in life, is it's alive. And it's going to do its own thing. And to the extent that we're able to work with the rhythms of that thing, um, can improve... <laughs> or reduce our enjoyment, (laughs) not even enjoyment. I don't know if anyone enjoys labor, but reduce the, you know, the, it can, I don't know, create more fear around that experience. Um, And so, you know, I know that this is happening. I I know that I've been going through this. It's part of the reason that I intuitively knew that I was going to step back from custom art for a while, you know, Borelli Illustrations has continued to operate online and that's been really beautiful. I started taking small numbers of clients back in the summer of this year and we'll be sharing some of that work um, in the newsletter from time to time. But generally I have been, you know, focused on this uh, this thing that's been slowly coming through. <laughs> and I... Over the years, you know, check it, I'm 43. I've done this a few times. I'm much more conscious now of what it feels like when I begin to labor with something new that wants to happen in my life and that wants to come through. And I think, and not wrongfully, I think I came into the beginnings of this labor process last year with a lot of patience like okay here we go like I um you know I I knew how to breathe through the contractions I knew how to check in with myself during when fear would crop up the thing that was really different about this past year and a half for me is that whatever is coming I don't know I actually have no idea what that is, what that thing is. Um, It's really disconcerting for me. I think it is for all of us. Um, This is the source of intuitive drawing and why I started teaching intuitive drawing courses in 2020. And it's my hope to begin teaching them again because 
Intuitive drawing is drawing without an end in mind. It's drawing without knowing what's coming. And for me, the practice of drawing without knowing what's coming on a piece of paper is tremendous exercise (laughs) for living without knowing what's coming in life. And to the extent that we're able to do this, you know, to me is important because again, like to sort of reflect on something I said a little bit earlier in the episode, you know, we are pretty obsessed on the planet with control. And because of that, we have created a lot of things that are drastically out of alignment with the space that we're living in, right? Like, and I really feel like as we learn to relax into the rhythms of not just the space that we're living, but also with the things that are, you know, getting created by us and each other, you know, we're going to be less destructive, much less destructive with the things that we make, you know? And so, so I, so I have no idea what's coming in my life right now. But what I do know is that it's gigantic (laughs) because the contraction and fear and stress around the last year and a half has, last year and a half has been greater than I've experienced in my life thus far. The only thing that made it manageable was that I've done this process to a lesser extent many, many times with a lot of awareness and consciousness around it. (laughs) And, and there have been moments, especially in the last four or five months where I'm just like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. Like I'm, I'm fairly certain I can't do this. Um, it's too hard. And I'm wondering if people listening to this have been there recently or just generally, I'm guessing everybody, like if you're breathing, everybody. And I, I've heard, you know, there's, there's, this experience happens to women in childbirth all the time. Like it's usually right before the birth actually happens. Many, many women, it's so common that like it's considered a stage of pregnancy and I'm forgetting the name of it right now. Um, but it's, women will just be like, I, I can't just put it back. It's cool. I just can't like, it's a very irrational experience in childbirth of like, of course you can't put it back. Like it's coming, right? Like it's too, you're too far into it. Like, but the brain is so contracted and so scared and the body is like, in just like such focused pushing that you know, the most irrational thought is I just, I'm done. Like, can I just run out of this hospital right now? Like women will describe this experience, which is so interesting to me of like, I just, I, can I just go, Like, I'll just walk out of here. Um, make, make it stop, make any, like anything but the pain, anything but the contraction. It's too big. I can't do it like that. I'm wondering if you've had that in your life. I'm 43. I'm sorry I keep bringing that number up, but it's like I'm halfway through life here and I've just now experienced contraction to that extent. Like I've experienced fear and contraction 
in my life significantly so but this this past year and a half so much so that I thought maybe I could just give this life to someone else like I I don't think I can do it I just I don't think I can do it and in the moments of contraction you know that that idea feels like pretty irrational to me (laughs) and in the resting phases which you know when you're like in a hospital as a woman giving birth the the down times are quite a bit shorter sometimes in life they're a little bit longer (laughs) and I've been you know having a down a down phase that has been really lovely specifically y'all this this new thing is around my health like I've always kind of navigated health challenges um, to a more or lesser extent in the past 10 to 13 years Um, and you know have been relatively proud with how I've dealt with my health you know Um, if I go to a traditional doctor and get tests done all of them would say that I'm one of the healthiest patients that they have um, but the bar's pretty low for Western doctors, right? Like they're just trying to see if you're about to die, not to be dramatic, but I think generally that's the bar <laughs> of most traditional doctors. Um, I have been recently, you know, really grappling with some health stuff that is deeper than a lot of that. And it's been interesting to, experience so much contraction and stuckness it's been weird to like push for months and seemingly have nothing to show for it which is I think like how a lot of women in long labors feel and you know just a few weeks ago I I was kind of like done you know I was like at the point of being like someone else take this life I I'm done you know and when I get to that place you know and sometimes I think about Mary you know I wonder if she was in that place too you know she I I don't presume that she wanted to be like nomadically rambling around nine months pregnant I don't presume that she wanted to go through what is an incredibly scary experience in the best of circumstances (laughs) in the cold in a barn (laughs) with very little support but she did and I wonder if she also had experiences of like maybe not me like maybe I'm not the one (laughs) you know and when I'm feeling not just feeling alone but for all intents and purposes actually alone in this experience of labor you know I'm clearly bringing something forth that is really difficult for me one of my go-tos is tarot and it's been interesting because I up until recently would have told you that I wasn't really into tarot. I've had a tarot deck for a very long time, but it's only been in the last, interestingly, year and a half that I've started to really lean on cards. And I feel like I might have talked about this in past episodes, but 
Years ago, I read an article where scientists did a study to see if any of the tools that humans use for divination, like as an oracle, as support spiritually, if any of them actually could be scientifically backed. Like that this divination tool actually does something from a scientific standpoint. And the only one that they found any scientific backing behind was tarot. And I don't think they went into further testing to like figure out why, but one of the hypotheses hypothesi <laughs> that they had was that imagery, the art on the cards, um, we know imagery is really powerful at tapping into the subconscious. And so the cards themselves aren't necessarily predicting the future for you or giving you specific answers. They're helping you hack into the answers that you already have in yourself. And I think that's one of the reasons that I love tarot. I'm an artist. Visual imagery is powerful. And so, of course, cards with art on them, you know, very helpful to me. And I... (laughs) So a few weeks ago, I'm like in the vice of life. Like if, you know, labor is contractions and the contractions get harder, the closer you get to the birth, like I'm, you know, I'm at the end. (laughs) Like life is squeezing the absolute crap out of me. And I pull a card and (laughs) and I'm sure, I don't know how many people listening to this you know, can relate to pulling cards, you know, for tarot. But even if you've never pulled a single card, I'm sure everyone that is listening to this can relate to, you know, when you're in a spot of great discomfort and you lean on something, whether it's another person or a book or a movie or a deck of tarot cards, the idea is that you're hopefully going to glean some comfort from this thing. And so I'm really like expecting, you know, because tarot is incredibly supportive for me. I'm expecting that I'm going to pull a card of deep comfort because I am in great discomfort. And I pull the hermit reversed Um, without going into like a lengthy description of the cards here. The hermit is one of the major arcana, which is a a smaller number of the cards in a tarot deck are majors and they tend to be large life themes and when you pull a card from the majors it's a sign that life is taking you like you're not taking life (laughs) like and this is the theme that's happening and your responsibility is to lean into it and be moved you are not doing the moving which makes sense when I'm like you know in total life labor but the hermit is the absolute least comforting card I could have possibly pulled because the hermit says, Hey, I know you want to move. I know you want to get out of this shit, but we're going to hang out. Like the more you want to move, the hermit says, no, the more we're going to stay. And I was, (laughs) for me, it was almost like being punched when I was down. I like threw the cards across the room, like just this had this visceral fuck you to my tarot deck. And to me, (laughs) In hindsight, to me, that's almost like what the end of a birth process is. It's like, I can't go anymore. And then life is like, no, a little, you know, sorry, a little bit more. (laughs) And I, I remember I went, you know, to my husband and I was just, you know, 
a big, a big mess. And I just said, I'm, I'm not, I can't, I can't. And I, you know, he's the, he's my partner. He's my person for this exact reason. He was, you know, he doesn't ever try to fix a single thing. He just said, um, I am so freaking sorry. He's like, because I can tell this sucks. He said, and then, and then, and then stops by the way, like that was like the only like words he said, but I'll, you know, the thing I love about him is his energy says, yeah, you can. Yeah. Like I know you. Yeah, you can. You know, I got you. And wouldn't you know, just like anything that we, any labor pains that we go through, um, some relief, some, some longstanding relief has come. Um, and I suspect that's why when I went and sat down to write this newsletter, I was like, oh, oh, I, I think this is new. Like, I think the birth is possibly over. And <laughs> like, because I feel like I don't even know what to say right now. Like, I feel like this really goopy slimy butterfly (laughs) sitting on the edge of a stick going how do I use these things you know like I yeah this is a long rambling story that started off with the Christian Christmas story but I think the reason that I wanted to and I've talked about this before in art pregnancy I also talked about Mary did you know um I, I want to say in December of 2020 on this podcast, when I first, you know, knew that I was pregnant, I've talked about these ideas before, but I wanted to rehash them now, sort of riding the back of last week's episode, because we are entering a Christmas season that feels weird. You know, like this is a weird time on the planet. I want to celebrate joy and peace more than ever and also am having an interesting time making space for that when there are things happening that are deeply unpeaceful and not joyful. And it seems like now more than ever it's helpful to remember that we're not just making babies here and that's not and maybe I shouldn't use the word just because making a baby isn't a just it's like one of the hardest things I've ever done ever in my life and what happens when we expand our awareness to include all of the labors and births that we're going through what happens Like right now, what are you laboring with? I'm certain there's something. And if there isn't, it's probably a period of gestation, right? You're probably in the quiet period of something growing itself without you. But can you think of a time, I'm certain everyone listening to this can, of great squeezing in your life? And can you connect that experience with 
something really new and powerful on the other side. You know, it's tricky when we're going through births of non-physical things. We live in this very physical world where we're most trustworthy of things we can experience with the five senses. Like everyone is very aware of the labor and the squeezing and the fear that comes with childbirth and then raising, you know, like it's something that all of us see with our eyes, hear with our ears. But when you are giving birth to a totally different way of being in your body, of being in your relationships, of being in your work or your profession, that pain is often invisible, not just to the people around you, but often to yourself. And we do great damage to ourselves artistically and otherwise when we gaslight ourselves around that process and we let others gaslight ourselves around that process. A a huge part of my health challenges the past year and a half have been insomnia. I've always had insomnia. Well, not always. I, I have not slept reliably through the night since 2009. Okay. Like 2010, maybe. Um, it got worse in 2013 and then has kind of just always been there for the last decade. But, you know, I, I managed it just fine because I typically, you know, work for myself or prior to that, you know, worked lots of gigs. And so I could just patchwork sleep around my life. And I didn't have a child that was going to demand anything. When Brayden came, you know, I had a hard wake up at 630 6 6 30 every day and oftentimes you know hard wake-ups throughout the night until he learned to sleep you know consistently and coupling that with my tendency to fall asleep at 9 30 and wake up at one and then be up all night was terrible and even with as knowledgeable as I am with what sleep deprivation will do to a person, there was a lot of self-gaslighting that happened during the last year and a half. And I also was aware of the way that people in my life who had no idea that I wasn't sleeping were kind of like judging the shit out of me (laughs) for being a very weird version of myself the last year and a half. Like I, especially in the last five months, my insomnia got just absolutely terrible you know it was the it was the end of the birth it was like the squeeze was getting so bad that I was regularly getting three hours of sleep a night and and truly experiencing some level of crazy from that and still having a hard time letting people know you know like desperately wanting to be just fine and I wasn't fine it was not even close to fine And I would have benefited greatly from recognizing not just to myself, but also to others like, hey, I'm back on the table feeding the stirrups right now. Like this sucks. Like, just so you know, like if I say something that's like, you know, super jerky, it's because I'm, you know, in the grips of crazy labor in my, in my life, right? 
it looks, you know, the, the labor that most of us are going through, the birthing that most of us are going through is invisible to others. You know, I'm, I'm using an example of health here, but this is anything. Like if you're an artist and you've been grappling with building an art career or grappling with some type of large work like a book or a play or a music, a musical, <laughs> a body of music, you know this process applies as well, right? Like there's a sense as you get closer to this thing becoming a thing, you know, the squeezing does get bigger in proportion with the size of what you're trying to do. You know, like I, I've created lots of small works and experienced this labor process in a smaller way. But when I began creating the Austin coloring book, I, and it feels weird to even talk about the Austin coloring book in like this larger way, because I resisted making a coloring book for a very long time for the simple fact that it felt kind of not serious. Like this isn't serious art. In fact, not only is it not serious art, but like I've mentioned in past episodes, the coloring book, there's a lot of research, research that shows that coloring books hurt human creativity, right? Because it's a pre-drawn thing. Um, there's also a lot of research that shows that while coloring books may not be great for creativity, they are tremendously helpful for mindfulness, right? Like there is a huge amount of stress for a lot of people when it comes around drawing, but if they can fill in shapes that are already there, the amount of Zen and calm that can come from that is huge. And it was when I started to begin wrapping my head around that idea that I opened up more to creating a coloring book. Even still, with all of my resistance and sort of disdain for coloring books, after I compiled all of the art, you know, I did all of the formatting, I, I downloaded some software that I was going to use to put all of the pages together to do the cover, the copyright, I was going to send it off to print. I just completely stagnated for like months. And I'll never forget, um, Jason and I were not married yet, but we were living together. And I remember he very, very seldomly ever calls me on anything. Like I, Jason's very hands off. He's kind of like, hey, I'm here to support you doing it yourself, your way. Like, and I, that's the type of partner for me, y'all. I <laughs> like, don't tell me how to do my shit, you know? But so when he does tell me how to do my shit, I really pay attention because it's so seldom. Like, I think I can count on one hand how many times he's done it in the past 10 years. And this was one of the first times where he kind of sat me down and he said, hey, like, what gives? Like, you, all you have to do is click send on the Internet. And I, I remember I started weeping and I was, you know, like, I just I don't know, like, I can't. And I, I, I don't even remember the excuses anymore. Like there were a ton of, re of things that my brain was telling me I was scared about. And as I was saying them out loud, I realized all of them were BS, you know. And he was so supportive and so amazing. And he said, I, I think this thing is going to work. I think this thing is going to work really well. And I think you're scared of it working. And I don't think you're scared of it, you know, failing. 
And it's so cliche, right? Like how many times have we heard that phrase, that quote? I don't even remember who originally said it, but our greatest fear isn't that we're going to fail. Our greatest fear is that we're going to succeed beyond our wildest imaginations. That's true. Like when you really get to the end of a birthing process, you're like, oh, this thing is real. And I don't know if I'm capable. I mean, that's every mother that ever lived. <laughs> like, oh my God, this human is coming and I don't, I don't ever get to give it back. Like now, now is the time to see what I'm made of. And what if I'm not made of enough? That's, you know, succeeding at creating a human is in some ways much scarier than not. Mary, did you know? Artists, do you know? Do you know that the shit, and I'm sorry for using the word shit, but like, do you know the stuff, the things that you create in your work and in your life could change the planet? What does that do to you when you think about that or hear that? What do you imagine it did to Mary, you know? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. It's one of my favorite lines in the song. And I love that line because the things that we make in our artistic lives and in our lived lives make back on us, right? Like we often think of it as a one-way relationship and it's not you will be forever changed by the act of making things, consciously making things. The stuff that you bring forth is going to bring forth back onto you. I feel like that line in the song is one of the greatest, you know, motivators for making things is that when you make things, those things make back on you. And it's never, ever in a bad way, ever. Even the things that feel bad are ultimately part of the creation. We are constantly being delivered by the things that we create. They're saving us as well as other people. It's the biggest excuse for making every day that I've ever like as we as if we needed an excuse but if you need an excuse to make something every day creatively that's it right there can the Christmas story be a little more expansive to include more people instead of this just it's not just, it's not like we're not eliminating mothers from the equation here. We're not eliminating the idea that Jesus didn't live <laughs> and, you know, that Mary didn't live. We're just, we're talking about stories and myths as more inclusive. Can that story be more inclusive? Can it wrap its arms a little bit bigger around larger numbers of people? Are you pregnant with something right now are you giving birth to something right now are you talking to an angel right now right um 
can the angel be a metaphor? Like, I can't tell you how many times I wake up in the morning and I have an idea for something I, that for something I want to make. Can that be an angel, that idea in your head? Possibly. Like what happens if I expand my perspective around artistry to include angels? I, I mean, I don't know. Like that might not be for you. I, I just, just throwing it out there, you know, it's, it's an idea I'm so interested in. And also it's not for everybody. We're in this winter phase of life, not just in the world, but also in our bodies, right? Like we are going into a space that's deeply contractive because the planet is, this side of the planet where I'm recording this is in a deep contraction. Even here in Austin, you know, I'm, it's beautiful sunny day. I'm sitting in my car recording this. I think the high is going to be like 50 today, which is barely winter compared to other parts of the United States. Like we're in Austin, which is very warm. And still there are signs of contraction all around me. Like leaves are going to start dumping pretty soon onto the ground. Um, We're about to have like probably our first overnight freeze pretty soon. It's going to kill off my whole garden. (laughs) Like um, contraction is everywhere on this side of the planet right now. And we are experiencing similar modes in our bodies. And what does that mean for us as artists to lean into labor pains, to lean into the winter of our creative cycles? And, and hey, you know, we don't all have alignment with seasons in the in the world like you may be in a huge gest- gestation phase right now like you may be in a huge springtime phase <laughs> of your of your life um but in an 4 or 5 6 months from now if you end up going through a huge contraction and a huge birth process can the experience of the winter remind you not to gaslight yourself, to be there for yourself, to breathe through whatever is happening in your life. Is it, is it even possible to start viewing your life from some of these different vantage points? Like I, I remember the first time I started to wrap my head around the idea that making things was like a birth. I was just blown open in the best way. And years later, I'm still forgetting that that's a thing. I'm, you know, cultural programming is huge. I'm still operating from this more linear model where I'm like, oh, X is happening and Y is happening. And both of them are really hard. So therefore I must suck as a human, (laughs) you know, like I'm not doing life well when in fact you are doing life excellently well. You're just giving birth to something something probably huge like isn't that comforting as I'll get out to you it is to me like oh we're not failing we're not screwing everything up like the only real screw up is not realizing (laughs) that we're we're actually in labor right now you know like the only real screw up is 
hating on ourselves for something that is so incredibly natural and will, by the way, continue to happen to us artistically and otherwise for the rest of our lives. Like this is one of the bigger ones that I've been through. And I know, I know on the other side, I'm going to feel like I'm winning just like we all do after a birth. Like we're like, I, I just made this thing and my life is so different and I, I'm so different and I'll enjoy that to the extent that I can. And then, and then the process starts over again and it, it happens hundreds and thousands of times in all levels. It happens in my art making, it happens in my relationships, it happens in my body, you know? Yeah. Did you know? Did you know that you were doing that your whole life? Did you know that there are forces at play that would much rather you didn't know that? Artists, did you know? Did you know that you're just like Mary? And the stuff that you make is, is, is a, it's a Jesus. It's a Jesus. It is delivering others and it's delivering yourself all the time. Can you consider the ways that every little thing you make is potentially doing that? It doesn't mean all of the stuff we make is a Jesus. No, (laughs) no. But when we bring the level of reverence, that level of reverence to the stuff, to all of the stuff, to all of the processes of creation in our lives, you know, it's a game changer. It's, it's been a game changer for me. It has kept me out of the pits of despair during really crazy birth processes, you know, because that is, women will tell you that's the place you don't want to go when you're giving birth is into despair. One of my dear friends told me that, after, you know, she had the, the longest birth of her first child and she said at one point the the doula looked at her and said, you have to relax. You're literally keeping your child from coming. And she, she said, relaxing felt like the absolute worst thing to do. I was just trying to like grip my way through it. I mean, that, that is some truth right there. I think everyone who's ever been through a huge period of fear and birth in their lives knows knows that experience we've been taught to do that by the overculture we've been taught to do it in schools we've been taught to do it by leaders when life gets hard you grit you squeeze you double down right and in many ways that is the absolute opposite of what we should be doing right Imagining yourself relaxing and breathing into those phases. I mean, that's, that's the really challenging part. Gritting your teeth is actually weirdly easier when things are hard. Like, and speaking from experience, you know, just kind of riding some of those waves the last few months. Um, I'm right there with most people. I, I was not relaxing into it. <laughs> by that point, you know, you know, early into the process, I was, yeah, I was like pretty proud of myself. I was patting myself on the back. Like, yeah, yeah. Life's challenging, but I know, I know what I'm doing. I got this like, mm. by the end, no, no way. Nope. And, and I learned a lot next time. Next time I imagine I might have a little more grace, a little more grace. 
for the contractions and the fear and the stress. Until next time, friends, I hope that this gives you some grace yourself during this Christmas season, during this winter season, during any of the seasons that you're making stuff. Because you deserve peace. You deserve to have peace through all the phases of your life and recognizing the ways that you are constantly gestating and giving birth. It wakes you up. Did you know? Did you know? Yeah, yeah. Now you know. Now you know. And how does that change everything going forward forever? I love y'all.